Welcome, Radiant Church. I'm Pastor Jeff. I'm glad you guys are here on our 4th of July weekend. Uh, welcome those attending online. If you're out camping or visiting family, I'm glad that you can join with us. And um, yeah, I'm going to get started. That threw me off. Uh, so uh, Pastor Mike had asked me to share this morning, uh, continuing on with our Beatitudes, and I'm going to start reading right from Ro uh, Romans, from Matthew chapter 5. I want you to turn to Romans and Matthew at the same time. Not a lot of preachers do that, right? Turn to two passages at once. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus uh, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for, their, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus preached these beatitudes, they were transformational to their hearers. It was a, like a deeper sense of Here's what God really means by his law. Here's the new standard that God is applying. And so today we're talking about verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I usually like to start my uh, the times I speak with a story. So I got one for you guys today. If you came expecting that, I didn't disappoint. Um, we say this a lot, have mercy on me. It's kind of like a cliche uh, in our culture, have mercy, and I suspect we don't always know what that means, but there's a story, there's something that I did about uh, six years ago, I was in a road trip with three other guys, and I'll just call them out, because it's funny, it's Pastor Michael, Pastor Braden, and Curtis, and uh, I didn't know these guys very well at this point, and I had purchased something, it was a spray, and it resembles the smell of a fart. It's called liquid fill-in-the-blank. And uh, I showed it to Pastor Michael as we were heading on this, like, two-hour trip. And I said, hey, I have this. Like, I want to spray it in the car on our way up. And he's like, oh, do it. This will be so much fun. And we were riding in Kurt's car. And Kurt's, like, particular about his cars. Like, he, he likes his cars. Yeah. Those of you laughing probably already know. You can sense. I don't know Pastor Brain very well at this point, but he has a... I'm just going to say it. He's not here. So he has a gag reflex. <laughs> and, um, and we've taken advantage of that in the past. And uh, he's sitting in the back with me. Kurt's driving. Michael's in the passenger seat, and I'm behind Michael. And we maybe get five minutes down the road. And Michael's like, just to warn you guys, I had Taco Bell. And I'm sorry if, if something happens. Like, he's setting it up. And that first time, I just sprayed it once by my feet, it was, and it like enveloped the car so quickly, and Kurt's disgust, he's like, dude, that smells so bad, and he was so upset, <clears throat> Brayden starts rolling down the window, he's like, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> and 
and this was a whole ride for like two hours. Like every 15 minutes, I'd shh. And Kurt, yeah, Kurt was getting so frustrated with his brother. And if you, brothers, there's already like a level of animosity, right? So he's already upset with his brother. And there was one time there was a phrase of like, dude, something dead, crawled up your butt and died again. That's so disgusting. <laughs> we're, we have a time frame we're supposed to arrive at our destination. And we're like 10 minutes out. And we're like 15 minutes till we have to get there, and we're 10 minutes away, so we don't have a lot of time to spare. And I sprayed it one last time, and Kurt was so fed up. At this point, Braden realized he saw me, but he's still gagging out the window. Um, Kurt's the only one that doesn't know. And uh, I sprayed it, and we're, we're going down the road, and it's like this two-lane highway up towards Big Rapids somewhere, and there's like a little... Uh, true value on the side of the road and like one other store. That's it. And he like swerves into that and he looks at his brother and goes, you're going to the bathroom right now. <laughs> We're not having this anymore. And he's like, there's not a bathroom. They got it for their employees. You can do it. Before you get back in this car, you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and Michael's like, I won't do it again. And he like gives me this look behind. So I got the message. We get, we arrive. And uh, I'm setting all this up. This will be worth it. Um, we arrive at our location, and it's a smaller room with two bunk beds. There's, like, enough room to walk in between. It. All four of us are in this room. And I bought this little fan that, like, clips on the bed. And still, at this point, Kurt thought it was his brother's disgusting body and had no idea it was a spray I had. And I'm sitting at the top. I have my fan pointed toward me. And... Pastor Michael's below me, and Kurt is on the bottom bunk opposite of me. And I told Michael's like, one more time. And Michael's like, okay. And so I turn my fan towards Kurt. And, you know, Michael makes a fart sound, and I spray it right in the back. And Kurt's like, how oh, did it get to me so fast? That's disgusting. And he, like, grabs his bedding, runs out of the room. And at this point, we're like, all right, we've taken it too far. Poor Kurt. It's late. We want to go to the bed. And uh, he's like, I'm sleeping in the loft. I'm not sleeping in here. And, of course, Braden's, like, laughing and gagging at the same time. And so... Pastor Michael goes to tell his brother, like, okay, it's fake. Like, let's go to bed. We'll stop. And he's like, I, he was telling him, like, I got some on my hand, like the spray. And he's following Kurt. He's like, dude, Kurt, no, no, come on. Like, and everybody's, like, riled up because Kurt's just disgusted. He's like, I got some on my hand. And Kurt's like, you stuck your hand down there? That's disgusting. Have mercy. <laughs> he finally uh, figured out, like, no, it's, it's fake. And so now it's like his intent to get us back. Like six years later, he's still like, where's that spray at? We're like, no, it's done. And he got Michael just recently with it. <laughs> but we say that, like, have mercy. We say that. And I wonder, do we fully understand or know, like, what mercy is? And, and as I was studying for this, for today, there were some like new things that came to my attention. That I discovered. I'm like, oh, that's that's actually really incredible. I've never known that before. So I have three thoughts on mercy that I want to share with you this morning. And number one 
is mercy is an act of the will. Mercy is a choice that we make. And it's not something uh, forced on us. And it's not something we always feel. A lot of uh, commentaries uh, combine this word mercy with forgiveness. They say it's kind of the same thing. But forgiveness, and I would agree with that certainly, but forgiveness is usually something done to us where mercy is a little bit broader of like we're just extending to somebody something they don't deserve. So forgiveness isn't always part of the picture, but certainly is mercy. But it's not natural to us. Romans, see, I did say turn to Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It does not submit to God's law. It's not something part of our nature. Mercy is not something we're just going to be naturally bent to do. It's not a knee-jerk reaction when we're engaging with people. But Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And the issue is we, we love our freedom, right? Like we, every, every creature does. We love our independence, and we're created to be independent and at the same time dependent upon the Lord. But in our pursuit for that independence, we tend to think if my feeling doesn't match, then it's not what I want to do or what I should do. And if we allow ourselves to be driven by the way we feel, then the way we feel will always dictate our freedom. It'll become a tomb for us. If we allow ourselves to be driven by the way we feel, then the way we feel will always dictate our freedom. And when we're wounded, because it's, it's easier to extend mercy, right, when, you're not, when you don't have a dog in a fight, when you're not wounded. But if you're wounded, it's extra hard because there's feelings attached, there's emotions attached, there's a pain attached to it. And if we get stuck in that and we don't give it to God, we will long for the day we get justice. And what happens is this longing puts a lens over our heart and it taints the world we see. We'll always see through our pain if we don't give our pain up. And we'll never be free from our hurt. And so mercy is an act of the will. It's something we choose and it's something we need to submit to irregardless or regardless of our feelings. Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you feel like forgiving, forgive and I'll forgive you. He says, if you forgive. Later on in Matthew chapter 6, that's, that's what he says in, in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And I think this is really the issue where we have struggles with mercy is when it comes with forgiveness. Because if we can, if we can forgive when we're wounded, then certainly we can give mercy when we're not wounded. 
And it's interesting that this is what Jesus says. And I've struggled with this verse for many years in my life because I felt like saying, oh, so there's like a string attached, right? There's a string attached to this salvation thing, right? Because if God doesn't forgive me, then, then that means what? Like I'm not going to go to heaven. Like my sins aren't forgiven. I, there's, so I knew like there was a trick up God's sleeve. He's got a string attached, right? You got to forgive or I'm going to withhold from you. And that's actually not at all that Jesus is saying. It's not that Jesus is unwilling to forgive us. He's, he's saying, I can't forgive you. Because what happens is when that lens is over a heart and we, we, it's something we look through, it's not so much of a lens that God can penetrate. It's literally a stronghold. It's like a walled defense that we hide behind and God can't get through it. Not because he's unwilling, but because he respects our free will. And when we say, no, you won't have a say here. You won't speak into my wounds and I will not give you permission to move. He's like, okay, I would if you'd let me. So we literally lock our hearts away from God's forgiveness because we say, no, this is an area where I am gonna sit on the throne and I'm not gonna let you speak. And it's a dangerous place to be because we stay stuck. I, I tell people this often. God will never take you to a place of pain to leave you there, but he will for your healing. And if you'd like, I'll go there with you and help you come to healing. But is it an interesting, there's only one person in our culture that will let come at us with a knife cut us open, scrape out all the bad. We'll let a surgeon do that, right? Like they use a scalpel, they expose the wound, they go deeper, they remove tissue, they may have to break bones, they may have to re-injure so that we can heal, right? We actually pay them to do it. Anybody else, they'll go to jail, right? Isn't that kind of, but we trust them, that's why. We trust them. We trust their education. We trust their intention. And we trust that they have our best interest. So if you can trust a doctor for your surgery to cut you open, then can you trust God for an emotional and spiritual surgery? And sometimes we just need to hear it that plain and simple. Because what we're saying when, and, and I get it, I've been there, but when we're saying is, no, I won't have mercy, I don't trust you, God. I don't trust you. And I know nobody would vocalize that. But mercy is an act of the will. And when we submit our hearts to being merciful, God will honor it. God will heal that pain. And he's even better than a doctor. He's called the great physician. So mercy is an act of the will. My a second thought I had was, number two, mercy will unlock our hearts. And, and this is what I mean when we say, okay, God, I will walk in forgiveness. I will be merciful. He says, blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall receive mercy. He then gives mercy. When our feelings don't line up and we just submit our heart in obedience, the feelings follow. Feelings are horrible masters, but excellent servants. They're great indicators of where your heart's at, but they're horrible ways and methods to make decisions. And when our mind is in line under our spirit and our spirit's feeding, being fed from God's spirit, it's God's spirit to our spirit to our mind over our heart. That's a right order of thinking, right? Like my intellect is what governs my will, not my emotions. And when they get disoriented, when our spirit's not being fed from God and that gets pushed out of the way and, and all these things, we get a lot of brokenness and a lot of bondage and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And it doesn't mean when you're doing everything right, you don't get pain. But you certainly know how to deal with it and you'll walk out of it in a healthy way. So that's what I mean by it unlocks our hearts. When we step into that, it unlocks our hearts and lets the Lord heal and minister. Being merciful actually improves a physical and a mental health. There are studies that show this. Um, unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. And according to Dr. Stephen Standiford, he's a chief of surgery at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. He says, refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. That's his, that's the professional opinion of a doctor. Like, we can't, we can't, like, find the virus of unforgiveness, right? We can't, we can't look at it in a microscope, but we can certainly see its effects. And this guy, in all of his intelligence and all of his research and all of his understanding of the medical field can say, unforgiveness does this. Can't look at it under a microscope, but I know that it, keeps it makes people sick and it keeps them that way. Studies at Johns Hopkins, U of Penn, and more have found that the act of forgiveness can heap huge rewards for your health. It lowers risk of heart attack. It improves cholesterol levels and sleep. It reduces pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. I mean, just think about it this way. If you see somebody who's offended you in public, doesn't your heart start racing? Like, especially if you hold on to it. And they're literally saying, it, when you forgive, it lowers the risk of heart attack. Is it possible that God is so significant in his healing and his wisdom that as he meets an emotional and spiritual need that it has physical ramifications. Maybe these two worlds are more connected than we would care to talk about or even, because we can't observe one, or we, we can observe one, but we can't, we can't study it, right? We can't. We can't look at it under a microscope. We, we can only, we, we use our five senses. We can't taste it. We can't touch it. We can't see it. We can't smell it. What's the other one? Hear it. We just feel it, right? 
And that's why feeling isn't necessarily a sixth sense because it's so subjective. You can't study it in a lab. But certainly what we're seeing is its results. It's like the wind. You can't see the wind, but we certainly see its results. And so mercy will unlock our hearts. That's what the Lord said. Showing mercy will free you in the deepest of ways. I submit to you that these studies that I just read off, that's only what we've observed. Is it possible that forgiveness actually goes deeper still and we just don't know to quantify it? Is God that good? Is God's healing that powerful that mercy can be that significant and even what we can observe is worth it? Even what we can see is worth it. Showing mercy will free you in the deepest ways and grow your spirit to carry the kingdom of the Lord as he intended. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Psalms 18.25 says this, With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. As we read these, this is the, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is the first one that's like an outward action towards somebody in the Beatitudes. The first uh, five or four are these, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger. And as Pastor Mike taught on those, they're like this kind of inward change, this adjustment to how we respond to the Lord. But this one is, wait, this is how you engage with other people, the merciful. This is an outward expression of change. Number three, mercy is supernatural. Uh, Greek is a very specific language. Uh, Even more specific than English. And I had some friends who were in a tribal context and they were learning this tribal language and uh, this tribe had different... uh, What's the word? It was like a, a prefix, prefix or a suffix on the word, but it basically meant inclusion or exclusion to verbs and to pronouns. So when they said something like, we're going to have dinner, it could be one word with, with the right prefix or suffix. It could be, were me and my family exclusive, we're going to have dinner, or were, were we all are going to have dinner, or we, me and this group and not you, are going to have dinner. And they found this out the hard way because they said we're going to eat. And a whole bunch of people showed up at their house from the tribe. And they're like, what's going on? You're like, you said we were eating. And they're like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. In English, you just have to figure that out from context. So if I said we're going to see the fireworks tonight, you're going to have to figure out, is Pastor Jeff inviting us? Are we going as a whole church? 
is the church hosting fireworks tonight? Like, what's going on? We're not. Um, you can come meet us at Cascades Park, and we are going to watch the fireworks tonight. Greek is similar, where it's very specific in, in its words and in its verbiage. And so when we read something in English, in our English Bibles, um, you don't always get the nuances that were in the Greek. And so it's helpful often to look at the actual words being written. And there are many helps for that as an English speaker that you can find. And so the word merciful in Greek is only used twice in Scripture. And when a Greek word is only used twice, that's like 98% of the time very significant. Of all the words the author could have used, he used this one Greek word, and he only used it one other time. And it, uh, oh, man, that was fast. All right, take my time. It was, um, it was used once in reference to believers right here in this verse. Blessed are the merciful that word merciful, and it was used one other time referring to Christ. And the meaning in, in the dictionaries for this Greek word, it says, as referring to believers, it only occurs in Matthew 5, 7. But it's not merely those who express acts of mercifulness. It's not merely like, oh yeah, you just do merciful acts. It means those who have this attribute as a result of the indwelling God. It literally means your character. Blessed are the merciful, not those who act merciful, but have the character of mercy. For they will receive mercy. The only other time this is used in scripture, it's of Jesus in Hebrews 2.17. He said, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful, there it is, and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Here's why I tell you that. We don't give out something truly precious to those who won't be gentle. Those of you who've had, ever had kids and had siblings of those kids, you know when you bring the young baby home, your little toddler wants to hold it. And that happened with us, with Riker. He came home, and it was right over Christmas time, and Bailey, at three years old, wants to hold Riker. So... What do we do? We sit our daughter down and we pull her up in our lap. And we set, I set her hands in mine. And I say, this is your brother. And I hold him as I hold her, as she holds him. You get what I'm saying? It's not because I love Riker more or that I don't trust my daughter's heart. But as a father, I know her limitations. So I empower her with my strength. Is it possible? Is it possible that to be merciful, God sits us down? He sets us in his lap. And he takes our hands in his and says, this is mercy. Not because he loves us less, or that he doesn't trust our heart. But because as a father, he knows our limitations. So he empowers us with his strength to be merciful. Mercy is a supernatural act. It defies 
natural explanation. The most natural thing in the world is to want vengeance and to see your enemy punished. The most unnatural thing is when you show mercy and you totally forgive the one who's hurt you and it unlocks your heart for a healing so deep you'll forever see the results. It's a supernatural ability to demonstrate godliness even when it costs us. And if you remember one thing today, it's that mercy is the supernatural ability to demonstrate godliness even when it costs us. So as we close, I'd like to, to pray for you. And if you're here and, and you are thinking, I want that. I want that empowerment. I want that supernatural ability. This, this moment's for you. It's anybody who's, any believer has this and can walk in it in a moment because the Lord is there in a relationship with them. But if you don't have that, this morning is the time for that. So if you guys bow your heads, I'd like to pray for you and pray with you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, if you're thinking, I need that, I need that empowerment, I need the Lord to pull me up into his lap and hold my hands in his and say, this is mercy because I can't do it on my own. And I'm stuck. And, and I'm telling you, even if you don't realize it, if you're not forgiving, you're stuck. The Lord doesn't want you there. And if that's you, if you could feel, if your heart rate's pulsing, because I start mentioning unforgiveness and that person comes to mind. Or maybe this is totally a new concept for you. You don't even know who, who Jesus is. I'd like to pray for you. So if that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you. So I'd like to pray two prayers this morning. I'd like to pray a prayer of salvation, and I'd like to pray a prayer of just God's empowerment. Because even as we're saved, we still need to depend on the Holy Spirit to empower us to walk in freedom. So would everybody repeat this prayer after me? And if you're online and you're watching, just pull over if you're driving. Hopefully you're not watching and driving. Um, you, you can still pray while you're driving. Just close your eyes. If you're in your couch, just, just repeat this prayer after me out, out loud. Father, today, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for revealing to my heart my need for you. Jesus, I thank you for your death on the cross. And I receive that gift of salvation today so that I can walk out a new life with you. And Jesus, as I walk out this new life, empower me to walk out the mercy you talk about. Come into my heart and lead me in your truth. Holy Spirit, empower me to be merciful. 
to have the character of mercy so that my heart can be unlocked and I get to be free. Lord, I thank you for these prayers and I pray that you just seal this moment in our hearts, Lord. Help us to see mercy the way you see mercy. Help us to walk out mercy as a child sits in your lap and uses your strength. Lord, be with us this week. Be with us this day and seal this moment in our hearts to cause us to never forget. To never forget what you taught and to never forget the boldness that mercy takes, Lord, so that we can walk healed and whole. In your name I pray, amen.